And welcome to Playwright, the podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. My name is Ryan Heyman. You can call me H. And I'm Wynn Stewart. Another day, <laughs> another dollar. All right, that's enough. I'm Ryan Quintel, and you can call me Q. It's funny you go into that song. I was thinking of You Can Call Me Al, that uh, that song performed by uh, Paul Simon and Chevy Chase, if the music video is to be believed. Oh my God, I don't know about this song. <laughs> Oh, you should check out the music video. It, it's fairly minimalist, but it's a real treat. There's a moment in it that gets me every time, and I think you'll know it when you see it. Okay, I'm going to go check it out. Uh, anyways, but before you do that, you're not getting out of it that easy. We have to, uh, <laughs> I know, this <laughs> eternal drudgery that is this creative project that we love doing. <laughs> I would love to do the podcast, but I've got a music video to watch, so I'm, kind of, I'm in for the night. <laughs> All right, let's pitch some video games. This first one that I've got for you today is a simple one. This is uh, essentially a soccer game or a football game, depending on where you live. Uh, But it uses like pinball mechanics. So you get like multi-ball and you can have those little narratives that occur by kicking the balls into certain areas on the course. And ultimately you are trying to get it into the opponent's goal. But there's big kind of like wraparound towers and, uh, and pits that the balls can go into and and ways to earn some of those additional power-ups like you would get on a pinball table. So uh, let's leave that there, and um, let's see where we can get with that. Let's go ahead and start the clock. Well, I love the idea of, as an American, very selfishly spicing up soccer uh, (laughs) (laughs) in a way that makes it a little bit more, because there's so much field in that sport that it can become... Mm -hmm. A little too, I don't know if it's slow or something, but it's just so panned out and everybody looks so small um, that I would love to have like more interesting things spread throughout the field. And and I think that the pinball method or the pinball way of thinking is so much more interesting than I think you see a lot of the games from the 90s have the bent of like put landmines in the field and everyone's a skeleton, (laughs) you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, I kind of want a constantly evolving field. So you're never really comfortable with just a, uh, a flat pitch. Instead of there being like a, a constant set of obstacles on the course, I would want bumpers to pop up every few minutes and stay there for a little while and then go back into the ground and things shift around a little bit to kind of keep it keep it moving, keep people on their toes. What What I really like is there's the potential here to maybe have this be a one-on-one game too, Hmm. right? Where I know like usually you have a, you know, a team in soccer, but you now have things that will sort of move the ball around for you. And if your kind of average movement speed is quick enough, I think it could be very compelling to sort of use the, the bumpers and the, the traps and contraptions to help you advance the ball as much as you would trying to deal with passing to an AI player throughout. Yeah, it almost makes me think of, um, uh, there was a game that, that we used to play as uh, as kids, and it was like a, like a long plastic board, and you had these little uh, little discs with marbles in the middle that would, that would get them, you can uh, kind of sail them down the board, almost like a shuffleboard or something like that. But 
Um, they would have little rubber bands, uh, bumpers on the side. You try to bump them off the bumpers and get them into the opponent's scoring area. Does pinball have an alternate ways of scoring? I know there's kind of ways to earn like extra balls and sometimes there's like multiple balls in mm-hmm. the air. I love the idea of earning a second soccer ball and then there being some real like I can see two people just dashing as quick as they can with two balls on the court <laughs> to like get to the other side. Yeah, that could be fun. That would be uh, also if you had like a full team set up, that would be difficult because there would be multiple players that might need your input at any given time. Yeah. Perhaps you could uh, kind of switch off between players and uh, let the AI take, take the ones that you're not controlling at that time. Or, um, you know, it, if it was just a one-on-one thing and there were two balls and each player had one, then they would just kind of ignore each other and run towards the goal, which would, wouldn't be as interesting because it would just be two unguarded fielders just going for their uh, their score. I'm trying to think now of, it doesn't have to be totally one-for-one one with pinball, but I, I love like the initial ball launch as a sort oh, of yeah. starting off point. So, uh, you know, I think soccer or f- football has those rules where I know if it gets kicked out of bounds, you can kind of launch the ball from, you know, or throw it really to another member uh-huh. of your team. I wonder if those could be used as like the launching moments, because like it would seem to me that like a face off might not necessarily be the most satisfying way to kick off this sort of, uh, this match. Yeah. If you want to keep things frantic. Also, I suppose you could just plaster a whole bunch of drawings of Simpsons characters along the entire pitch, just like a pinball table, but we'd have to, uh, we'd have to think about that. What do you think are some smart ways to earn bonuses in a, in a format like this? I mean, the obvious ones are like score multipliers that last for a little while. And so, you know, if you kick it into, um, into one of the, uh, not necessarily the goal, but a bumper or uh, there's there's lights and I, I'm I'm a, I, sorry I don't have the pinball terminology. I know there's probably <laughs> pinball fans out there that know exactly what I should be saying right now, but I cannot. But there's like rows of uh, of of plastic things that look like teeth, and you hit them one at a time, and if you get the whole row, then that's usually unlocks some kind of a bonus, and so you can have little like mini games like that, uh, things that might be. Uh, equally as incentivizing as going straight for the goal, which would probably give you more points in this version of the game if there are alternate ways to score points. So if you're on the defending team, then you might not know just what your opponent is planning at any given time. You might uh, want to uh, guard him a little bit more closely, or you might want to position more fielders in a, a different location on the field because there's other places that the um, that the person with the ball might be going to? Well, I, you know, I think I would love to see maybe potentially also an obstacle. Like there's always this kind of mechanic in pinball games that is like table tilt or machine <laughs> tilt. I don't know uh, how to necessarily yeah. like implement it. Maybe maybe if the crowd is cheering enough for you, you're doing well enough, there's kind of like a tilt towards your side. I don't know. But um, yeah. Like maybe when the crowd is really into it or it's a tie game, like the shouting and the cheering and the like foot stomping of the crowd can actually cause the whole <laughs> ground to wiggle a little bit and just add a little bit more um, fun to the whole thing. Well, it's my understanding in the pinball video games that I played and in uh, some pinball in the real life that I've played, the tilt mechanic is kind of a cheat that it gives you. Usually it gives you like a game over if you try it too many times. 
yeah. in the video game versions. And, uh, you know, what it is just kind of bashing up against the table to get the ball to uh, change course. And so if you were to just give that to uh, the crowd, which nobody's controlling, then it would yeah. be kind of a passive benefit. Whereas if you give each player like maybe two times per game that they can hit one of the buttons on the controller and it just oh. kind of jolts the entire field and yeah, all the yeah, yeah. characters fall over and have to get up again and have to scramble for the ball again. And that would be kind of a fun way to, to do things. Can you imagine using the tilt if you're like, say you, you, you hit the ball with your head. And I think we're also going to need, by the way, some bumpers or some, you know, traps and stuff like uh, uh, yeah. above you, because you can kind of hit a soccer ball pretty high in the air. If we can take that and, like, say I'm, I would have almost have gotten it in the top right-hand corner or something of the goal and to, at the last minute, kind of kick the entire world just a slightly to the left and nail a yeah. shot that I otherwise would have missed would be <laughs> so satisfying. And maybe instead of a goalie, you have just those two bumpers that you're always controlling with, like, the uh, with the R and L buttons. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. And I that way you kind of can be around the field and sort of play your own defense from afar like often in weirdly when i'm thinking about this game and i'm thinking <laughs> i'm thinking about rocket league and sort of the positions that you mm -hmm. find yourself in and often it's more advantageous to play a little bit off the goal but with the goal in sight um and letting things like that pan out as opposed to um actually being in that goal yourself so the ability to yeah have some some what i don't even know what they're called at the bottom of it flippers are they flippers yeah, flippers or bumpers probably. I, I <laughs> flipper sounds right though. Yeah, so having those and yeah, exactly two buttons, maybe your triggers or something dedicated to mm -hmm. to controlling those would be really cool. Well, one of the things I think would be fun to bring in from pinball is mm -hmm. you can now have soccer fields that are super themed, right? So now you can do mm, these yeah. cool licensed soccer fields, and you can do things like you know how they have those sort of caged like tracks that the ball can kind of yeah, find itself yeah. into. So all sorts of, you know, not, I don't want to necessarily bring it too much into the rocket league realm, uh, but uh, you know, some level of aerial or anti-grav sort of stuff is, is really neat to me. Yeah. Like alternate pathways that you can kick a ball into and know that it's going to be deposited uh, down the field and they can, uh, they work in both directions. So they don't really give, one or the other team an advantage, but uh, you definitely have to have a person there on the other end to pick it up or else the other team's going to scoop it. Yeah. And all of these pinball games like are usually like free to play or super cheap. And then they monetize through these partnerships and people buying different tables. So I love the idea of being able to play, you know, soccer essentially on the Death Star and, you know, hitting things off of trash can droids and, you know, <laughs> the John Williams score blaring in the background that that to me really actually feels like a like a different experience, almost almost as if you shrunk yourself down and put yourself in a, into a pinball table, right? Yeah, well, you know, it's all Austin Powers tables as far as all the pinball bars that I've been to. So <laughs> Yeah, one through... Austin Powers and the Adams Family gets a uh, surprising amount of traction in the pinball space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and voice actors that uh, don't do a good job doing imitations. That's, that's <laughs> important, too. Like, yes, baby. <laughs> <laughs> sure, baby. <laughs> that's terrible. Do I make you horny, Randy? Ah... Yes, Anyways, you do. that is enough time we've spent with that one. 
that's the best ending to to a session we've ever had. We will have to call this game. Uh, let's call it multi ball. That's kind of a fun way to to put it. What do you have for us today? Ah, oh, man, I hate to change the tone of things on you, but. I was thinking a lot about your game that you pitched a while ago that was a kind of mystery call-in, you're a radio DJ. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I thought to myself that that's, that's really interesting, the idea of people calling in and you being able to talk with them. And, and I, I love the whole music angle of yours, but I was wondering if there was a, and I'm sure another game has done this, but a way to kind of transplant that and put you in the the seat of a 911 operator during some uh, crisis. And, you know, I was thinking in my head, obviously, with some of the some of the horrible stuff that happened in 2017, wouldn't it be uh, kind of interesting and a little bit harrowing to be sort of an emergency operator during the time of, you know, a flood or something when you're trying to guide people through protocols and maybe all you have at your disposal is, um, you know, sort of rules and procedures and safety stuff that you have to sort of scramble and look up as you respond to people on the phone. Um, or potentially, since I've I've actually experienced this, I don't think 911 has this service at the moment, but the idea of doing it through a sort of virtual text chat line and having to deal with multiple chats at the same time, hmm. a la, you know, some sort of customer service system. So that's the general idea of it. But as always, I'm hoping we find that workable game in there. All right, let's start the clock. Uh, the way that I don't want to take this is just doing a GPS for ambulances again, because we did that a couple weeks ago. So I'll have to take this in a different direction, but... Uh, it's interesting uh, receiving those multiple text conversations. I think for this to be an interesting game, they would have to be somehow jumbled up or um, maybe kind of there's some something wrong with your machine that's kind of interweaving the messages together and you have to make sure that the right help goes to the right people. It's a big thing. I used to do customer service. And one of the big things when you're handling chats from people is the sort of management of like having the constant check-in, not letting any particular chat go on too long or linger or else the person starts to sort of panic that you're not there or maybe make a bad decision. So, you know, someone might say that that's exotic babysitting, but those things can really matter, you know? Yeah. So obviously in the 911 center, uh, pretty much lives are on the line almost no matter what call you're getting. So... I'm thinking of what is a good way to to do this without it getting super bleak very quickly. Because, you know, if you have like somebody calling in a robbery or somebody calling in a home invasion or a fire or something, the failure states kind of speak for themselves. And I can imagine that would be yeah. uh, pretty stressful for the players pretty quickly. Yeah, I, it's, uh, I called it harrowing because I think it's going to be tough to turn this into something that doesn't just depress okay. the hell out of you. But I almost wonder if there can be an aspect to it that is partially it's the incoming call and then there's a part of the game or a, a shift in in mode or something that kind of waxes and wanes that allow you to maybe go out and follow up on people, like call them to make sure they're okay or to, if somebody said, please check in on 
um, or please call my mother, let her know that I'm all right. Um, and being able to deliver some good news along with a job. I know that that's not really in the purview of a typical um, sort of nine nine one one operator, but maybe something like that to kind of answer and actually be able to uh, celebrate sort of success. You know, a way this could work is like the um, the Android and iPhone game called uh, Lifeline, where you're texting with an astronaut who's stuck on Mars or something like that. And he's basically just asking you for instructions for where he should head next and what to do next. And basically, you know, it's all not, well, yeah, I guess it is kind of in real time uh, that you just receive messages on your phone every once in a while. And they usually have a choice between a couple of things that you can instruct this astronaut to do. And I can see you walking people through kind of emergency scenarios in that style. And uh, maybe the twist is that you have multiple chats happening all at once. So you kind of have to remember who's who at any given time. So you have to recognize the names or recognize the scenarios somehow. It's not going to be as, um, you know, it's not just going to be one person talking to it at a time. Yeah. And I think one of the things that, and this is real, maybe if you experienced this, but in that sort of, multiple persons or multiple calls at the same time world, you're also dealing with literal timers that are ticking down on you that essentially if the person has said something to you or checked in with you and you haven't checked back in with them, they go Mm -hmm. from sort of green to yellow to red to notify you, hey, you haven't spoken to this person or you haven't given them any feedback in you know too long a time and so the idea of not only being able to deliver advice because i think you can deliver advice in a way that is you know pretty straightforward you'll you'll generally have a quick sense of what to do ideally but then to add in the layer of hey this has to be done in you know these people have 5 minutes potentially to save mm-hmm. a loved one is is an interesting time crunch and and the time crunch is like what mistakes would you make or have them make in that period of time yeah so you have to kind of gain information from them as to like location and stuff like that while also trying to walk them through the uh situations that they find themselves in at the moment and maybe there's a level of prioritization of contacts as well uh because uh, like um like police emergencies, you would need to dispatch the police in five minutes, but um, medical emergencies, you'd need to dispatch the ambulance in two minutes. And you have to very quickly ascertain from what they say, and they're panicking and they can't, you know, talk straight like a regular conversation. Uh, you have to ascertain what um, type of need they have and what type of emergency service that would require. Yeah, I think that that's interesting. And maybe even, you know, you're dealing with some aspect of having to escalate these things or ask for help. The idea of, you know, there's always this moment when you have to give someone information, but that information you don't have, you're actually waiting on someone else to give you that information, is these moments that, while may seem just kind of like, pain in the butt things if it's a very mundane situation if you you ratchet up the drama in that way where you can hear the audio of this person and obviously this has to be either this has to be extremely well written or extremely well voice acted right yeah i've been um i've been going through divinity original sin 2 recently 
And that is fully voice acted, like pretty much every line of uh, dialogue has voice acting to it. And I've been incredibly impressed by the amount of work that must go into voice acting a game with a script that um, that immense. So that would be quite an undertaking. And uh, I was I was thinking just this entire description makes it sound like this type of game would work really well on mobile. And so maybe prioritizing voice acting wouldn't be the most prudent place to put our money if this is going to be a mobile release where a lot of people are going to be playing it on the bus or sure, with in their a phones on mute scenario. Yeah, but it would definitely add a, a lot to it. Yeah, I wonder if there's also, um, are you familiar with the Devolver games that came out recently, uh, His Majesty or Her Majesty? Yeah, yeah. I think the idea of being able to put it in sort of a touch-based format where you can quickly, you know, gesture or something to triage answers to these people would be very interesting, you know, kind of swiping between the, you know, the two or three conversations at a time or, you know, maybe even four or five in in the really, you know, the most difficult parts and have, you know, just canned responses that you can quickly uh, tap and get feedback from could could be a really satisfying way to think about uh, how to interact with this thing. I think just so we have those names right, I think the game is called Reigns, and then the subtitle of the oh. uh, sequel is Her Majesty. But I might, uh, we might be thinking of different games. But I no no, know, no just no, so they're both right. out there. <laughs> yeah yeah no, you're you're absolutely right. So what if at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> One more thing, why not? Yeah, you also uh, moonlight as a pizza boy. <laughs> Or something. You you take calls for pizza place, and so you're taking all of those at the same time just to earn some extra money to make ends meet because it's expensive to live in the city, and so you have to make sure not to mess up your pizza orders with your ambulance orders and not send the pizza <laughs> oh, truck no. to an active crime scene. <laughs> Man, that's uh, that's interesting, and especially you know I like that it becomes absurdist to the point of giving you a real vehicle for levity throughout this thing i mean it would to to your earlier point it does feel a little bit like oh man you're just gonna everyone's dying everyone's choking everyone you know needs some desperate amount what of if help there were some situations that could be diffused by a pizza like a hostage <laughs> situation yeah hey like, send, oh, 10 pizzas send the pizza but uh actually that's what the uh the person wanted so everyone's safe and free to go whereas if you had sent the police things would have escalated yeah, I think that that's cool and a smart way of diffusing those things. <laughs> I, you know, I wonder if you add on top of that, um, you know, we kind of talked about the GPS before, but now you can add in the little weird pizza app builder uh, type of thing into <laughs> yeah, to the yeah. whole swiping experience. So you're having like dire conversation, life saving thing. Um, and then like at make sure pepperonis on the left hand side mm-hmm. and, you know, pineapples <laughs> on the right. Um, one other thing I want to say to this is we washed over it really quickly, but in terms of absurdist stuff, I'm sure 911 gets as much, if not more crank and awful calls as they do, um, real emergency calls. I hope depending it's not on, more. Yeah. Well, yeah, I feel obviously. Like that is actually a criminal offense, <laughs> but it's one of those things where <laughs> I, I think, you know, there is room for in the fictional environment to, you know, not have it feel yeah, just completely yeah, exactly. depressing. As Bart Simpson calls in. <laughs> See more butts is, is here to stay. Looking for Mike, Mike Roch. Yep. <laughs> Anyways, uh, what is the name of this game? And now I'm tempted to add the pizza thing in there for sure. <laughs> um, just to get it a, a more fun name. 
Maybe we just simply call it triage, you know? Triage. Like that's, that's essentially what you're doing. Okay. Cool. Triage it is. Anyways, we have a community submission from one of our listeners. This is from MH Ninja Bear. Uh, you'll remember that name from the uh, the writer of our first iTunes review. <laughs> yeah. uh, always holds a uh, holds a a place in the heart of any podcaster. Their first review. <laughs> uh, anyways, MH Ninja Bear says, Recently, I've been playing through each generation of Pokemon and collecting a new living Pokedex, having one of each Pokemon, all 802. MH Ninja Bear, I will take a digression and say that I, too, am on this quest and I am extremely close. I'm missing a couple of those, like, go and get them from inside of a GameStop mysticals and, uh, uh, mythicals, rather. That just bugs the hell out of me. I, I need to fill my decks, but I'm just so close, but... Uh, this is madness. This is yeah, madness. Yep. <laughs> Anyways, because of the eShop releases of red, blue, yellow, gold, and silver, I am currently on the fifth gen, black and white, one and two, it has been fun exploring the different regions, but as a longtime fan, I thought it would be cool if there was some way to interweave the stories without creating a monster of a game. <laughs> Pun probably intended there. <laughs> and has you visiting every region and losing the wonderful balance that Game Freak has in each game. This is where my idea comes in. This game would have you inserting your cartridges or save files into it, so that it could read your progress in the region and the number of Pokemon you caught. The Pokemon would be displayed in an environment which puts each of them as 3D models that may interact in a small degree with the nature around maybe like a zoo. On the plaque in front of the exhibit would be a picture of the trainer who caught it and the region game that, that it was caught in. The second part of the game would be a main building where you could enter with a terminal that would give you challenges to complete in each game, such as only catching Gen 1 Pokemon from the Kanto region, and so forth and so on, with the other generations. It could also have rewards for battling through a region with only one Pokemon in your party, or only using one type of Pokemon, such as all dark type team. These rewards would be either trophies on a shelf, or maybe ways of making the Pokemon Zoo you are trying to complete look more interesting. This idea would require a great deal of effort to make 802 different 3D models and unique animations and finding a way for a system to read Game Boy, GBA, DS, 3DS, and eShop games may be difficult, but it would add an exciting flair to an already kind of crazy completion habits. Wow, uh, that's a big one. Let's uh, start the clock and see where we can go with that. Uh, Q, how many Pokemon games have you played? Um, I have played red, blue, yellow, black, white. Well, I guess I I, sh I should say one from each. So I played blue, okay. <laughs> I played yellow, I played uh -huh. white, I played X, uh, mm -hmm. or whatever the blue equivalent of the X Y yep, yep. was, and then um, moon. So okay. I I love Pokemon and in a lot of ways MH Ninja Bear here is talking about the Pokemon game I've always wanted to play. I think he's you know which is essentially a big huge you know maybe open world maybe not a uh, Pokemon game that is really expansive 3D almost feels like an MMO save for it doesn't have to be multiplayer uh, except for battling right and having all these places and gyms and 
and kind of the the you know entire thought that is Pokemon in one place. And I think that there is ways to do what he's talking about that isn't necessarily um, have the cartridges, right? Like Nintendo has that Pokemon bank service or Game Freak does mm-hmm. that lets you sort of have multiple generations of Pokemon stored and saved over time. But yeah, this is the Pokemon game that I've been waiting for. And I'm hoping that maybe, you know, obviously hoping beyond hope that the next thing that happens on the switch is going to be a foundation that could lead to something like this in the future. So I think that we got different impressions as we were reading this uh, pitch, which is great. You know, this could lead to taking it in, in different ways. We're not trying to faithfully recreate exactly what has been written into us. We're trying to take this in different directions and expand upon it. Uh, but anyways, I read this as uh, this is a Pokemon zoo that you're building up. It's essentially like a Pokemon bank that you can just kind of walk through and interact with and admire your Pokemon a little bit more than just sprites on a screen, which I really like. That's really cool. Um, but I I didn't interpret this as being like a fully 3D uh, model of the entire world. I think that all the challenges that you've been given by the game and uh, it would reward you for, games. yeah, right, kind of happen yeah. in those games. And so you would have to go back to the original cartridge and uh, and beat those games there or, or trigger those challenges or it could uh, even write code that could interact with those games to make them play in different ways. It can uh, kind of force a Nuzlocke run for a trophy that you'd be going for or something like that. So it's kind of like, uh, in my mind anyways, a more fully fleshed out version of bank plus an achievement system. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting, and I would love to, um, I would love to have some more meaningful way to interact with my Pokemon. The the thing that bugs me, and this isn't about one of the main core Pokemon games, but because uh, the main uh, the core Pokemon games lately have been actually getting really good about this, but in Pokemon Go, um, at least when I stopped playing it, you couldn't like release your Pokemon from the Pokeballs after you caught them. And like the coolest thing in that game is like seeing them in the world. And the only time that you'd be seeing them in the world is when they're, uh, when you're trying to catch them, which is like a high pressure environment. They might run away. Uh, you know, you do want to get it done quickly. And so I would at least let you take these things out, let you pet them, let you brush them like you do in (laughs) in the, the sort of more modern games. Yeah, or at least just to be able to kind of project it into your living room whenever you want to just look at your Haunter or Charizard, just to check in and say hi. Yeah, then um, you'd be, you could, you know, take a selfie with Squirtle, and that's yeah. all I want to do. Yeah, yeah, you can get a whole, like, photo mode going up. But anyways, that's that's Pokemon Go. That's entirely separate. <laughs> I think that your version of it and my version of it are, yes, they're different, but they're they're totally, there's some shared stuff. So let's yeah, talk yeah. through some. compatible. <laughs> yeah. I think the zoo is the biggest thing that has been yeah. uh, kind of brought to this idea. So like the central depository of uh, Pokemon. It sounds interesting. I would love it if it's not just a passive experience as well, but maybe you could have like a zoo tycoon built on top of it where you're arranging your Pokemon for people to come in and admire and you draw crowds and you're trying to make money that way. And maybe the money that you make there would be fed back into some of the Pokemon games, or maybe uh, you can, um, you know, the experience that your Pokemon gain from being matched with others of the similar type or by uh, putting on shows or being displayed in, in nice uh, environments, 
would level them up so that they'll be better fighters when they're uh, injected back into their respective games. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could see that going in a lot of different directions. It could be cool. I even like the idea of taking these Pokemon, like I have this massive collection of like, like, you know, he said here, 800 plus creatures um, to have those all maybe be able that I could like set up like, okay, now give me a Sims mode where I build and actually make a little gym. Uh, and then I say, okay, this group of Pokemon are here and here. And, you know, you could attach them like maybe you're loaning them out to handlers or something that are going to handle them for you. But essentially a gym designer that lets you make and host your own series of gyms um, and create gauntlets for other players to sort of go through and make different challenges like that. But yeah, I think, it, <laughs> you know, Pokemon since the beginning of you know, the lore have always been stored in a PC, mm -hmm. which has always been strange to me. But if you can fit all your creatures in a PC or whatever, or this bank, I like the idea of maybe even thinking about the zoo as going, you yourself going into the cyber realm, going <laughs> yeah, into yeah. the PC to, to manage this stuff. Yeah. That could be interesting because I think we meet Bill in the original Pokemon game. I think he, turned himself into a Pokemon by both trying to inject each other into a PC or something like that. I don't remember how that all went down, but that was a strange encounter for sure. He was trying but... to get missing number. Is that <laughs> That's did. right. I want them to make that an official Pokemon now. I mean, it's yeah. been a part of the Pokemon mythos since the very beginning, you would think, but oh well. If it was the Mortal Kombat developers, he would be a Pokemon in Gen 2. Oh yeah, no kidding. They wouldn't have waited a moment on that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's say we'll follow this down a little bit. I, I jump inside the the, the PC. It, you know, one of the things that always makes me think, because now Pokemon has gender as well. So I, I love the idea of almost, you know, we call it a zoo. You're kind of building a Noah's Ark of Pokemon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right? So you're like, okay, now I'm, you know, I got a male and female of every single Pokemon and Pokemon type. And I am. What you know, about the non-binary Pikachu's? You know. I know. Now, now you're getting into some complex stuff. We're gonna have to have a whole P Pikachu section of this. But this is taking place <laughs> inside of a PC, which means that PC culture reigns supreme here. Okay. Yeah. So everything's non-binary, but it is digital. <laughs> but it is digital. Um. So. <laughs> yeah, I I like the idea of being able to. You know, I think some of the, my favorite moments from the Pokemon cartoon is seeing, you know, Pikachu and Geodude hanging out. And and you and mm -hmm. I both share a love of Pokemon Snap, um, yeah. which is great to see the Pokemon kind of living in an environment. And so, you know, where I'd be drawing a ton of inspiration for this mode, the zoo type of mode, is from Viva Pinata. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. So I would love to see, you know now having a layer of you have to save up money and almost animal crossing style buy little you know huts and toys and all these things to kind of keep your pokemon uh, enjoying oh, that could their be really life nice yeah the yeah. types of uh, plants that would kind of reflect their uh, societies that they'd or not societies but environments that they'd be comfortable in uh, maybe planting a few tombstones and a creepy shed for all the ghost type pokemon to hang out around and yeah, and then also managing, right? Like, there are just, just by nature certain Pokemon that shouldn't be near each other because they yeah. don't get along very well. So the idea of building out that space and kind of 
getting everybody to coexist peacefully. It's like, so the, the games themselves, the Pokemon games themselves are the layer of, Hey, this is about catching and finding and the adventure. And then it all transfers into this meta layer of like, you know, aside from the adventure, the reality is these things all have to live in harmony (laughs) and you got to make that happen too. Yeah, it's that entire like wildlife refuge of uh, of Pokemon to just kind of live within the PCs. I like that. <laughs> yeah, and really it's coming pl- together. Plus, it's like it's nicer, and I think it works better in the fiction than like right now. I think the only explanation is like they always talk about the Pokemon are not captive; they're not uh, just turned into bits and bites and and frozen in time. They seem to be you know put somewhere and they seem to be in a generally good mood about it so actually having that um be true and to have that humane level of treatment of these animals because that's essentially what they are unless they're a sword or something weird uh, or or a rock or a ghost or um or a bug they you know these things need you know some tlc so yeah getting them stuff and you know the pokemon world already has food and and you know different sorts of items and stuff that make these things happy and you have grooming. to really contend with whether or not pokemon eat each other but uh that's a question for another time uh, that's all <laughs> the time that we have on that one thank you very much mh ninja bear oh, uh, who does not provide a name for this game which is just fine we will come up with something incredibly clever and satisfying i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> and tell me what that is now I see, like, Poke Park is fun, but I feel like that's already a thing. How about, like, a Pokemon Pokemon Safari? Is that a thing? That's kind of what Pokemon Snap is. You're on a Safari, but they don't call it that. Okay, yeah, because there's the uh, the Safari Zone in previous Pokemon games. So that would be kind of a nice, because we are kind of creating that same thing. So, yeah, maybe Pokemon Safari isn't a bad bad thing to call it. Yeah, I would want it to be expansive as well. You want to get all of your Pokemon in there, not have to pick and choose your favorites. Thank you very much for that, MH Ninja Bear. And if you would like to submit your own idea for us to discuss, then you can uh, email that to playwrightcast at gmail.com, or you can go to our website, playwrightcast.com, where you can view previous episodes, and you can pitch your own game ideas in our handy pitching portal. It's true. And remember, I mean, we are always looking for new and weird and challenging pitches. So if you want to pitch us in just a tweet, in just an image, Mm -hmm. we take it all and love it. (laughs) And we also want to thank Mr. Protodome. I don't know if it goes by Mr. Protodome or not, but Protodome for the use of our theme song. It's Hello World. It's off the album Blue Noise. It's very good chiptune music and you should listen to it. Yes, and to take us out of the show today, I have a miniature idea to chew on throughout the week. Uh, this is based on, uh, kind of on our first pitch of today, and also based on an old Photoshop that I did a while back, and I just kind of thought about it again, and it made me giggle again. And uh, that is um, kind of an offshoot of the Football Manager series. How about Foosball Manager? You have to nice. pick the little uh, plastic figures to kick that ball around on those poles. Oh, I want to measure heights and everything. This is perfect. (laughs) Anyways, we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. Bye.